Hello and welcome in to another edition of the SCJ Prep Podcast here on SiouxCityJournal.com. I'm Zach James, the Assistant Sports Editor here at the Journal. And alongside with me, as always, is Sports Editor Jetson Reds. Coming up in this episode, we'll dig deeper into the winter season right before it hits the holiday season. Uh, we'll talk some boys basketball, some girls basketball, and of course, we'll set aside a couple minutes for wrestling as well. But Justin, let's get into it here. Let's start off with the boys. The Sioux City East keeps rolling along. They had a couple of impressive wins over the week last week. One against Sioux City West, another one against South Sioux City, and then on Tuesday night, beating Sioux City North. So they've been around the city, and they've beaten three three uh, teams. What what do you as how do you assess this East team as as they prepare for the holiday break? Um, I think they're in a good position right now. You know that East West game is always physical, so it's always a battle. They came out on top of that and bounced back the next night with a win over South Sioux, um, and then took care of absolute business against North. Yeah. I mean a fifty point win. Danny Callahan had a big night, so they're number five in the rankings. Um, Next game's a big one. You're going to be at it. East against Sergeant Bluff on Friday. Marshalltown, Johnston. Uh, I don't see it on here, but they've got a game against Yankton this year. It's not on their quick stats right now, but oh, that's because I'm looking at the girls' schedule. So, hey, maybe <laughs> let me I help you out with that. Right one. Yeah, let me help so you out. With, they they, they with beat that. they beat North. They they beat South Sioux pretty well. They beat North pretty well. That that, that doesn't change no matter which one I go. But, <laughs> so they do um, play. They do play Sergeant Bluff on Friday night. Then they go yeah, into they do, holiday they, break. That's double headed. And it's, then it's the Yankton game on the seventh that I'm yep, looking at. Yep, yeah, yep, yep. There so, you go. Yep. So then Council Bluffs, uh, Lincoln, which had a good win tonight. So, so you know, it's a really good start here. And they didn't yep. win by fifty tonight, but they, they they had a pretty good win over North tonight too. So, um, really dominated that seventy-two points, eighty-one points, ninety points tonight. I just think you know, you know that they're ranked fifth coming in. Someone gave them a first-place vote. Um, they're a pretty good team, but now you get. The tough part of the schedule is Sergeant Bluff, a break, Yankton, and, and Lincoln. And I think that'll really show us they have. And they got a game in the Senos Classic tournament there, too. So yep. you saw this team against West. Um, uh, you know, and you saw the game against South Sioux uh, bouncing back tonight, night after. And it just seems like they're real, a well rounded unit. They are an absolutely well rounded unit, and their stats back that up, too. They have three players scoring double figures, led obviously by Jaleek Dunson, who's averaging. 22.2 points per game uh, so far this season. He's shooting 53%, 41 of 77. Shooting well from the three-point range to 14 of 32. That equates to 43%. Then you have Savion Armstrong averaging 13.6 a night. Um, his damage is mostly inside the three-point arc, 18 of 41. And then, like you said, Danny Callahan. And like I mentioned in my uh, Metro uh, Boys Basketball Preview, Callahan's going to be that X factor for the Black Raiders, and he's averaging 13 uh, points per game and scored 22 against North on Tuesday night. Uh, had most of that, I think, 18 in the first half against yeah. the Stars. So yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think I think Callahan is the big factor on that. Like we talked about before we turned on the tape, is it going to score 22 every night? Obviously not, because Dunson has the ability to score, and so does Armstrong. But if Callahan's average is about 12 or 13 a night, or even up to the 14-point range, these, these Black Raiders are in really good shape if that happens. Exactly. And that, those 13 points per game uh, on quick stats has not factored in the 22 points yet. So that'll, that'll go up. So 
Um, and then, you know, you look at the team they're going to play on Friday night. Sergeant Bluff Luton, they mm-hmm. need a bounce back game because they lost to uh, Council Bluffs Lincoln tonight, uh, Abe Lincoln tonight, who is undefeated. They lost in overtime tonight to, to them 48-43. And, and that's a season low for Sergeant Bluff Luton. How much does that, does that concern you at all? I mean, this is after scoring 85 against North and really dominated that game offensively, then being held to 43 against a really good Lincoln team. So does that concern you at all, or is it something that you're just saying, hey, it's a really good Lincoln team on the road. Let's see what they do Friday against you. Yeah, I, it's a really good Lincoln team, and obviously Lincoln is good too. I think they, they're 10th in the Class 4A Associated Press Bowl this week. Yeah. So Lincoln's good. I mean, they're not they're not sisters of the poor in the Mirac, obviously. So for Lincoln to hold the Warriors to forty three points is something really commendable. And I think the Warriors just need to bounce back, throw away this game against Lincoln, and and go into um, and welcome in East that and they're going to come pounding. They're they're going to come trying to punch on the first proverbial throw on Friday night. I think it's going to be a heavyweight battle. Uh, so to speak, on Friday night. And if, if Sergeant Bluff can kind of play with the punches a little bit that East will bring, I think even regardless of the outcome, I think it will give East a little bit co- confidence going into the holiday break and coming out of the holiday break going to Western Christian. And uh, Sergeant Bluff Luton was also in the poll, I believe, fifth in Class yes. 3A, and they were receiving three first-place votes, which did surprise me. Winner set to me was my number one. That is a team that also knocked out uh, Sergeant Bluff in the state turn, if I remember correctly. And, and yep. you know, you look at the schedule for Sergeant Bluff, they got East and they got the Breakton at Western Christian. And, and they have Dakota Valley. And Dakota Valley is a team that's really thrown around their weight here beginning the season. They came up with a huge victory again tonight, a 50-plus point variety over Beersford. Um, and also they, they knocked off T in their season opener in an impressive fashion. It was a really good T team last year. They did lose Noah Friedel, but um, – <laughs> That's been a T team that's been good. So Dakota Valley two and zero to start the season, and Paul Bruns has a combined fifty six points in those two games, and he had a double double tonight. Isaac Bruns has been good for them. Just it seems like an impressive start for Dakota Valley. Yeah, yep, absolutely. And Bruns had all thirty, according to a tweet I saw. He had all thirty in the first three quarters on Tuesday night against Beersford. I really want to see this team play. I really want to see Paul Bruns and see what he can do on the basketball court and kind of compare how how much of a score he is to a Jaleek Dunson, how he compares to a player like Daniel Wright, how he compares to even a score like Nate Reed. I really want to see these Panthers play, and I'm, I'm hoping I get the chance to uh, in the somewhat near future, but I think these Panthers are off to a really blazing start, and they kind of need it because I don't know how many of the, the football guys are on the basketball team, but just to build that momentum from a disappointing end to a football season – can kind of rebuild the morale inside the entire school building. And I think the basketball team is trying to do that with this strong start. Um, we will say we won't be at them before, for before the holidays. Because right. there's that South Dakota now has a uh, moratorium on games, just like Iowa and Nebraska. So um, there's really nothing. When, once the games are over on Friday and Saturday, uh, there's really nothing going on until uh, uh, that next week, I think the 30th. So they are a long time. So it's, it's a long yeah. time between games, so we will say there's a bit, bit of a break between games right now. Um, uh, once once Saturday comes, so uh, look, looking looking at the rest of the rack right now. Um, Council Bluffs Lincoln and 
East, they're, they're your two undefeated teams at 6-0 and and 5-0. and um, Both ranked teams, Sergeant Paul Flutens, one loss to Lincoln. West at two, and then everyone else is below 500 after that. West, two and three. Lamar's one right. and three. Heelan, one and four. North, one and five. And Jefferson, oh and four. So it's kind of a big drop-off from from SBL to, to West, uh, as we saw in, in that. So it just seems, mm-hmm. you know, it seems to be a divide in the rack this year. And, and, and West, yeah, a, West <laughs> just beat Heelan, but there, there's a little divide right now. It's absolutely a three-horse race in the Murak, and I think we all kind of knew that. Um, East, one of the two will kind of distance themselves between East and Sergeant Bluff a little bit on Friday. Depends on who wins there. Um, I, I think that'll be a very important game. I don't like to put importance on pre-holiday break games, but I think this is an exception on Friday night. I think this East-SBL game on Friday night will be a major factor in in the end of the Murak race, and I think this is a much swing game for both for either team for just point for just riding position using a horse racing term for the rest of the season in the Murak. I think it's probably more of a must win for Sergeant Bluff because you fall two games I behind. Yep. I agree. Lincoln, Lincoln, and East. That, that's there. If East takes their first loss, they still got plenty of time to make up the ground there uh, with one game behind Lincoln because they haven't played Lincoln yet. Whereas SBL does, so I feel it's a little bit more must, a lot more must win for Sergeant Bluff Luton. I don't know about East just because they have the two games against Lincoln coming up yet. So I think having those two games helps. Where SBL has one game against Lincoln after this, and one game against East left, so you're you're making up a lot for them. It is must win, and and, and you have to make up a lot of ground it, it, for the conference title. It's not right. postseason. Okay, I, I, we're just talking conference title. No, here. no, for 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 postseason stuff, this game doesn't matter because one, they're both in different classes. And two, um, it doesn't really matter. Pre-holiday games, I don't think, matter in, in terms of district placing, in terms of boys now. In, in this area, it, does, it won't necessarily. In this area, I think they'll look out. The Metro teams will look out like that. But a rare example of that, two teams we talked about before I hit the record button, Comanche Northeast. Comanche beat Northeast handily on Tuesday night. That will affect district positioning. But here, here in the Sioux, here it's specifically – in the Metro, in the Merak, I don't think this game has that kind of substance as Northeast Comanche did on Tuesday night. Uh, looking at the West, shifting to the Western Valley Conference and the team that still is in Sioux City, Siouxland Christian, a 5-0 start to the season. They lead the Western Valley uh, Conference uh, in OABCIG. They have one loss in the season. They seem to be rounding into form. They're 4-1. River Valley at 4-1 as well. Yeah. So, um Right now, Siouxland Christian seems to be the team to beat. Uh, I wouldn't rule out OABCIG by any means, but Lawton Bronson suffered a couple of losses, kind of putting them in the back, back the pack there. Uh, strong start, back back losses, but Siouxland Christian, uh, they they did hand Lawton Bronson one of those losses, by the way, and mm-hmm. and so now you got Siouxland Christian at five and zero. They get Caden Buddy back after the break from transferring from East, so you get him in that lineup, and that seems to you know. It's going to be tough to judge this team though now because now you're going in the games against Heartland Christian, Cornerstone Christian. You know, Wake Wakefield's usually good, but not as good. Woodbury Central, Emerson Hubbard. Their their main challenge isn't to me isn't tell about and maybe I'm thinking wrong about Heartland Christian and Cornerstone Christian here. So I apologize if I, I'm wrong here, but their next big game doesn't seem to be about to OABCIG on January 23rd, that's at OABCIG. So that's, that's a long way off right there. So how, how do you kind of assess Siouxland Christian right now? Well, Hoytland Christian's 3-2, and two, and Cornerstone Christian, I think, is out of state because they don't have a quick stat site. So um, 
I, I do like the Sioux Lane Christian team, and I think you're right. I don't think they'll see much of a challenge until maybe Woodbury or River Valley. Definitely after Wood, Woodbury Central is break. one and five on the season. I should mention that's that's okay. why. That's why I kind of said I don't know if they're going to challenge them. But they've had a rough start to the season. It'll definitely definitely be after the holiday break, and maybe their game of Cenos Classic against Emerson Hubbard will be a challenge too. But this team has size. They have Cameron Pearson, six six junior, Christian Howbooth, a six six senior. Um, they have a bunch of other guys above six feet: Eric Sherman, six two, Jonah DeRuce, their leading scorers, six foot even. So this team has size, and I think that this team does have a little bit of speed. So if they use that to kind of build some momentum here, the Suleyn Christian team could be a sneaky one. And, and yeah, they did receive some votes in the 1A poll. I think they were 11th in the poll they if were we 11th, wanted to yep. go down that deep. But uh, So it's not like they were a total secret, but I do think this team can still surprise some people and turn some heads, even though they are getting that statewide attention that they're receiving. I did have it in my like, top 10, too, I should, I should mention, okay, too. So okay. even as I said, I did have my top 10. The thing is, their strength of schedule compared to OABCIGs is so much different because OABCIGs already played a really good ESAC, ESAC County team, and they did lose by 35, but they're still feeling the effects of football, I feel. And they, I they, think did, so they did get a nice one against River Valley tonight by 15. Then they got Ridgeview, but then they're at New Alfonda to start the new, new year. And Denison Schleswig. And I know Denison Schleswig's three and three. All three losses are to ranked teams. South Central Calhoun, who I believe is decent. Lawton Bronson. So they, they get a little more challenge on their Storm Lake's on the yeah. schedule. They're not as good as they have been in the past, but Storm Lake is on that schedule. Um, so they, they face a little more competition before, before facing Siouxland Christian in that game on January 23rd. And I don't know. I, I, feel, I feel it benefits them. I mean, this is a team that has played in some big football games. I, I feel it can carry over because you have Cooper DeGene. And after that, there's not really much scoring. He's averaging 21.2. They haven't done a ton of scoring, but I feel more games in that I can go up and up because you still have William Grody on that team um, getting rebounds and scoring some points. So if they can find some options next to Cooper, that's going to be really interesting. So so note to self for both of us, don't vote Cooper DeGene for Siouxland Athlete of the Year because he's only a junior, but, man, he's having a heck of a year. He's, uh, he's having a very good year, yes. He, he's averaging 21.2 points per game right now, 106. I believe that's down from last year from his average. Wow. Wow. <laughs> he's shooting 39 and 90 so far this year. and So he's, he's shooting well. He's made seven threes. But I think it is between the Falcons and the Eagles for – um, good positioning in in that conference, and it'll that that uh, January twenty third game on that Thursday night uh, in Ida Grove will be a fun one to watch between those two. Uh, shifting to the War Eagle Conference um, with with some other talented teams in there, uh, Remsen St. Mary's and West Sioux, they're both still undefeated right now, both at five and zero, um, and you know they, they took care of competition they needed to uh, right now. Um, I believe those two are the cream of the crop. But you kind of got to look at Unity right here. And Unity is the team I'm, I'm kind of looking at this week. Mm-hmm. Getting a nice win against Hinton tonight, dropping them to 4-2. And, and they beat them by 16, 71-45. to 45. I just feel as a really good win for Unity right there to kind of establish them saying, hey, we're pretty good this year. I think they had a little bit of a down year last year. But, you know, they're, they're, they're doing this without um, Austin Van, Van Dorn. Um, but Ethan, Ethan Coltman's playing well, and they got yep. Cody Renz. And I, I feel like this has been a really good start to the season for Unity. And, and do you feel that they have and, – and, and we'll see it here. They, they do play South O'Brien on Friday. And South O'Brien 
has kind of dropped in this one. They're four and two now after uh, after um, they have losses to Rams and St. Mary and West Sioux. So who do you feel is kind of that third team? Are we going to see it kind of Friday with, with South O'Brien and, and, and Unity? And do you think Unity can keep this up? And, and, and how key is that South O'Brien game for them? So maybe this is kind of like that football district West Sioux was in with West Sioux, Western Christian, and West Lyon. Maybe not the same regard because not all three of them will make it to the to the uh, sub state level. Well, uh, just to compare it to football, but on, I, on that, I, on that level, go- you might be onto something there though too because Remsen's ranked number one in one A, and West Sioux's ranked what third or fifth? Yeah. They're top five team too. So I think I had them at number two in my poll. So I you I, I wouldn't discount that. I think you're on the right path there. But I, I was going to say that, that, A, I don't think I'll, maybe two of the three make it to the sub-state level, but I don't think Unity or Kenton just packs that punch like maybe a West Lion, which is a bad comparison because they won it all. But but you, you know what I mean. They just, yeah. just don't it's, pack that punch but remember, like the big three Western, in football. But remember, Western Christian lost in the first round of the playoffs too. True. That's true. And, and maybe – Maybe hitting or Unity uh, trips trips on their feet and loses in the first round. That's really hard to say, being in early December. But I like this conference a lot. This might be the strongest conference we have in the entire Siouxland because Remsen is firing on, on all cylinders right now. West Sioux obviously has athletes and Hunter Deckers, Bryce Kopic, uh Kate Wynott, um, uh Let's see, Baxter Walsh is playing really well. Uh, Mason Kopik is also scoring really well for the Falcons. And then you drop on down to Unity, and you mentioned um, the Klompian kid and, and those types of guys. So And Brody Renz, both averaging in double figures. So this conference definitely has athletes who have the ability to score. Do they have the ability to stop one another when it comes down to it? And I, and I think that's the big key. Who can stop whom in the conference? Um, that would be a very good question. Like I said, I, I still think South O'Brien's got something to say about this for the end because it is, was just a one-point loss to us who was early in the season. So I'm looking forward to seeing how they, they handle the rematches. Then you look at the, the Siouxland Conference. You mentioned the War Eagle being the, the toughest one. The Siouxland Conference would have something to say about that, but I do think the War Eagle is better. But still, you look at the Siouxland Conference, and we'll see Floyd Valley and Boyden Hall at the top of that one right now, 5-1, and 4-1. One, and, one. Mm-hmm. and that's, you know, that's – those are your two teams you usually see in there. Um, and we'll see Floyd Valley with a win over Rock Valley tonight by five points. Rock Valley made the state tournament last year, remember? They've got a nice, mm-hmm. uh, very nice win over Okaboji on Friday, 80-57. to 57. They're at Sibley Ocheaton next. Then they got the break, then they come back with George Little Rock, Central Line. Then Dakota Valley at the Tyson Event Center in the Senos Classic there, too. So, mm. so I'm, I'm going to see how that Georgia Little Rock game goes. They've struggled a little bit to start, but that Dakota Valley game will be key for them. We'll see what, what fight them. We'll see Floyd. I think that could be a really good game there, too. So, I think so, so too. I think right now, I think, I think Boyden Hall and, and MLC Floyd Valley are, are, are already separating themselves from that top. See how it goes. <laughs> Boyden Hall did give West Line. Uh, a loss again, back-to-back losses for West Line now, lost in triple overtime the other night. And so they, they just lost their, their second straight game. Boyden Hall taking them down by nine. Um, I, I like this Boyden Hall team too. I need to see a little more. They've got the Rat Rock Valley on, on Thursday. Then they go into the break, come back to Sioux Center, Sheldon, Okabojian. All those games against Siouxland teams are tough. So um, Boyden Hall mm-hmm. and MLC seem to be separating themselves from the top. I agree. I agree, and I like this Boyden Hall team. I think they're going to come out of nowhere and kind of emerge 
Um, maybe it's the conference favorite, but I do think the Dutchman will have to say will have something to say about that. Um, Tanner Tislaw, Boyden Hall, uh, averaging sixteen point five points a game. Um, it, it seems like that Boyden Hall likes to do their damage from the inside. They don't have many threes. They're only twenty nine of eighty one from three. So it, it seems like Boyden Hall with uh, the size that they have, and they certainly have the same amount of size that maybe a Suleyn Christian does because they have one, two, three, four, five, six guys above six feet, plenty of 5'10 guys. So that's decent enough size for a uh, small school Our- Iowa basketball. And then MOC Floyd Valley has Dante Skyman, who is 6'2", Alex Van Colsbeek, 6'6". I think he had a good football season, Kyle Christie. At 6-4, you just go down the list. So, MOC, Floyd Valley, and Boyden Hole both have size, and that could be fun to see down the road, um, which which bigger which team comes out bigger. Are you telling me Sioux County teams have size? Yes, yes. <laughs> so Shocker, I, I know. Uh, and yeah, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know. We'll see how Boyden Hall sneaking I, I don't. I don't think Boyd Hall might say that she could have the only thing every year they got this chance for them in Rock Valley. I mean, it's it was interesting last year when Boyd and Hall Rock Valley played. Boyd and Hall played Rock Valley for a chance to go to state because you know since they combined for other sports, so that was fun to see. Yep. Um, so yeah, shifting gears here to the girls basketball scene. Um, we'll start with the Merrick again right off there. East is leading with a six and zero record. Council Bluffs Lincoln sitting there at five and two. But Healand has won their last three games, and they're three and two on the season, and and they've really bounced back from the lone two start. Really handled North, they handled Lamar's, they took care of business last last night against West. So that's three double digit wins right there for Healand, and it seems like they're starting mm-hmm. to find their footing a bit. I do too in their defense, and I am I think I mentioned this last week too, but if I if I didn't, I'll say it here. Their defense is really good, especially when they get get into a zone. And and their front side of the zone, Amber Asoff, Katie Cook, they just like deflecting the ball and just giving opponents trouble trying to get it into their bigs. And once teams have that trouble not getting it into their bigs, and once Asoff and Cook find a way to deflect balls and make make opportunities and transition, man, this is a tough, tough team to defend against. And Ellis Skinner is also doing... Uh, getting her own two, um, averaging 17.8 points per game, uh, 89 points on the season already, shooting 49%. Caitlin Stanley, not too far behind, with 68 points, also shooting 48%. So I agree with you. I think you're absolutely right. I think this healing team is starting to get its footing a little bit. I don't think the loss against, uh, losses against Lewis Central or East were flukes. I think those two teams are very good as well. But now that these Crusaders have gone on a three-game uh, three winning streak, rather, I think that gives sets them sets them up to build the momentum for for the rest of the season. And and like we mentioned in the Cenos Classic, they face a really tough Mason City team on January 11th. So they can beat uh, Council Bluffs coming up here on Friday, and then come out of the holiday break beating beating a South Sioux team, which I think they will. Um, then they, if, they, if they beat Mason City, I think that allows them to maybe snowball uh, for for the rest of the season. That South Sioux healing game has been really good the last few years. We'll see see how that goes here when it comes up on, on that January seventh. Um, you mentioned Easton here, really good East team. They entered the rankings at number fifteen in 
Class 5A. They are 6-0 and on the season. Um, just demolished North last night by 50 points. Um, you know, Nia Dew got her 1,000th point last week. And, you know, it's really a slew of Black Raiders. Nia Dew is the one that leads them. But it's a slew of Black Raiders there, too. And, and Nia Dew was our Metro Athlete of the Week, and deservedly so. But, man, they, yes. they, they really play well as a team. And, and that's I think that North game was good for them to come out like that. North is really down, so it's tough to judge. They do have Sergeant mm-hmm. Ralph Luton on Friday, so I want to see how they handle them. But um, 6-0 start for East is, 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 a, is definitely a good start. Yeah, so definitely a good start. And shameless, I'll give you a shameless plug. Make sure you go to SiouxCityJournal.com to read Jess's story on uh, Naya Du and how she, how she had to cope with going from Worthington, Minnesota, here to Sioux City. She had 17 points, a very quiet 17 points, in my opinion, uh, in Saturday's win over South Sioux. But uh, Naya definitely knows how to um, crash the board. She knows how to get second-chance opportunities, and, and she knows how to uh, shoot from anywhere. She did make a three in the win against South Sioux. I think it came in the first half, if memory serves right. So she's comfortable from shooting from anywhere. And that should give opposing teams some problems because if Duke can beat you down low, she's not afraid to do it uh, from, from deep either. But it's not just Duke. Caitlin Tucker uh, has 70 points on the season, 11.7 average. She is getting her right heel checked out this week. Hopefully that turns out well so she won't have to sit out uh, any time this year, but if it does, that sort of kind of changes what East does offensively. Yes, the number one target is still due, but that for- forces girls like Kennedy McCoy, Caleb Benson, maybe even Maddie Van Dyke to step up to take Tucker's place if Tucker is not able to uh, continue with her season in the very near future. But fortunately for uh, for the Black Raiders and for everybody else for that matter, their holiday break is coming up, so that gives everyone a chance to maybe sit down, take a deep breath, eat eat some Christmas food a little bit, and then turn around and, and um, go into the holiday break. Now, each team in the state does get one scrimmage that doesn't count on the schedule. I think it's only a half scrimmage if memory serves right, but and they can use that too to kind of uh, mold things together if they need to. But if everyone's healthy for these black creators, yeah, this this team is going to be a force to reckon with. And it's not just going to be Helen and the Merak. It's going to be uh, between East, maybe Lincoln, and Helen. And Caitlin Tucker did play last night against North. If, she, if her heel okay. was that bad, she probably would have set out that game. I do think it's bothering her, but she hit six three-pointers last night. So Well, so, it must not be bothering so, her that bad. That's I, think, I think the break will be good for her. And, and looking at the rest of the Merak, there's a drop-off. You know, Helan handled Lamar's. Yep. Lamar's 3-3. Yep, three three. West just is not playing the same as it did in the season opening. It's Cherokee. Um, they're 3-3 three and three on the season. Um, it's just not the same West team that, that, that showed itself against it's Washington. They just they struggle to score yeah. consistently. It's just shocking when you have a team that scores 90 points that they, they struggle to score on a consistent basis. Yep. So, um Jefferson is two and four, which is actually a little better than I thought they'd be. Sergeant Bluff Luton is one and four, and they have dropped off this season. Um, uh, and, and North is one and four, which, which is kind of about where we thought. So teams, those three teams, East and Council Bluffs, Lincoln and Helan are the three to easily deal with. Yep. We'll see how it comes down. He, East has that early lead by having that one over Helan. So uh, it looks like a three-team race right there now in, in yep, the round. I agree. So. 
I agree, but I do want to say about Sergeant Bluff that it is a little bit of a surprise. They're just one and four. They lost by uh, nearly 30 to Lincoln on Tuesday night. They faced a really tough East team on Friday. I'm just surprised that maybe it's a little bit of volleyball fatigue and maybe that's, a, maybe that's it. But I thought the athleticism that the school has brought and, and the athleticism that I've seen from the school in the eight months I've been here would transfer over to the basketball court, and it just hasn't. Yeah, Kenzie Foley has done her job averaging 17.8 points per game, but Emma Salker's only averaging eight points a game, Maddie Hinkle, seven and a half, and Chloe Black, five and a half. I just thought the Warriors would be a little bit more competitive than what they are right now. Well, actually, the 7.5 points from, from Maddie Hinkle is definitely – a jump up from last year for her. She uh, averaged 2.9 per game. So it's a jump up for her. It's about the same for Emma Salker. It's the thing is that, that they lost so much from last year. Abby Weisskopf and Brooklyn, Brooklyn Huberty. Um, Weisskopf yeah. had 110 rebounds and, and you know, Huberty had 46 steals and she averaged 7.6. So it's kind of making up for, for those, for those. They also, they also lost uh Madeline Mogensen. So they lost three key players there. Yeah. They just haven't been able to fill Forgot a full. Mogensen. Maddie Hinkle's doing well, but after that, there's kind of a drop-off here, and they need some of those. They need a Chloe Black or an Emma Christensen or, or Peyton Hardy to step up. You are right. They, they need more to step up. I you know Maybe a little more out of Emma Salker, but I bet your teams are keen on her because they know they can key on Kenzie Foley and yeah. Emma Salker because they have the game plans for them. So they need, they need some others to step up. Maddie Hinkle has done that, but they need a little bit more and and right now, it's kind of the Kenzie Foley show. They need a little bit more than, than just Kenzie Foley right now. So It's the Kenzie Foley show? That that didn't apply to volleyball at all. Huh? But also, I'm you kidding. had a, but yeah, but, and, and you're right. You know, she was the MVP. But, and that, that's, you're, you're exactly on the right case. You know, it was Kenzie Foley's show. But Emma, Emma or Ellie Sneller had some really <laughs> big moments, too. Mm-hmm. She wasn't the star, but she came through with some huge kills. It's like basketball. Kenzie Foley's doing everything she needed, but she's not getting those secondary pieces. There's no Ellie Sneller right now on there to help. There's no, there's no secondary piece right now, and she's kind of having to carry the load. Where, where in volleyball, it was a well-rounded effort from everyone. You know, my my right. gamut in the back row, they're serving. Everything was just so well-rounded, and, and it, just, it just, it's just that different round ball. It's just di- different yep. things. So, yeah, yep. it's a different ball. It's a different game. So. It's a totally different game. Um. Looking at the, you know, the next one to look at is kind of the Western Valley and Woodbury Central sitting there at 7-0, um, led by Maddie Paulson, the Siouxland Athlete of the Week, who got her thousandth point. Levi and Landon's younger sister, who I was going to leave out, but she did mention them in, in her in her interview, unprovoked. So I was like, okay. So so you got Woodbury Central at 7-0, Kingsley Pearson 7-1, and and West Monona 7-1. OABCIG sitting there 4-2, but looking at Woodbury Central, Kingsley, and West Monona, those kind of seem like the three to me. And there's one thing that kind of sticks out. Woodbury Central hasn't faced either of those two. They got a win, a very a 12 point win over Westwood this season, a win over Hinton this season. So they've beaten who they needed to, and they've had nice wins over Lawton, Bronson, and Hinton. So do you feel like they're they're kind of a third team that can really challenge Kingsley Pearson and West Monona, the two teams everyone was kind of looking at for this Western Valley Conference title? Because I mean, everyone was going to mention Kingsley Pearson, West Monona, but it seems like Woodbury yeah. Central is really no one really mentioned at the beginning. Now they're they're kind of sticking with with the with those teams right now. And I I will say the Woodbury Central Kingsley Pearson game is not until January seventeenth, and they don't face West Monona until January twenty first. So you've got a while for those games, and if they can build it up, 
is it a three-team race in the Western Valley with Woodbury Central? Well, one, one game you forgot to mention, and maybe you didn't, I just didn't hear it, is they, they do face West Sioux on Thursday. Well, and West but Sioux West Sioux doesn't. West Sioux's not the Western I, I Valley. See what you're is, saying. So. I see what you're saying. Yeah, but, the West Sioux game but is that is going to be a yeah, challenge, yeah, too. Yeah, and so. and Fonda, too, which yep. I just saw, too. But I, I do think this is a three-team race. Now, granted, maybe the three teams kind of beat up on each other, and that gives it gives OABCIG a chance to kind of maybe crawl into that mix too. But I, I do agree with you. I do think it will come down to uh, those three. Maybe Woodbury Central, maybe it's too early to say this, but maybe they do run the table in terms of Western Valley games. Do I think they beat West Sioux? Maybe. Do I think they beat New Ophanda? No. But I do think they do have a chance to have the ability to, to run the table within conference games, and, and they have two dominant scores. Like you said, Maddie Paulson averaging 23 a night, and Cameron Barrett, who is having a really good season so far, uh, averaging 11 a night, being that supporting uh, role player for Paulson. But, yeah, I, I do – I will put my money on Woodbury – put the real money on Woodbury Central. And, uh, yeah, it becomes a three-team race, but I think Woodbury Central – it's the lead horse in that race so far. And I think you are right. Yeah, that West Sioux game is going to be very telling for Woodbury Central. You were absolutely right about that. And, and, and that kind of shifts us to the War Eagle Conference in that aspect because West Sioux, after starting one and two, got a nice one against Akron Westfield. And um, I, I really think, you know, that, that helps them there. They're a little behind the eight ball with MMCRU, Galen Catholic, and, and they're tied with Akron Westfield at that. Both teams four and two and South O'Brien three and two. So I think they'll be a good test. West Sioux is ranked to begin the season. They're starting to gain their footing a little bit here now. I think that's a key game for, for them, too, to kind of get back in this race and prove that they can stick with MMCRU and, and, and Galen Catholic and, and even a Unity, who I think is 2-2. Two and two. I think they're 3-2 and two after tonight's. Uh, no, they are 2-2, two and two, so their team trying to get back in it. So it seems key if, if West Sioux doesn't want to fall behind. It's, it's pretty crowded right here among the two lost teams in the War Eagle after MMCRU and Galen Catholic the top it seems like a key game for west Sioux to really try and maybe climb back yes. in this race because mmcru is playing really well right now <laughs> mmcru is playing really well right now and i know they beat up on a trinity christian team on tuesday night but they held trinity christian to one point in the first half on tuesday night so this defense is being really really relentless right now i'm just looking to see how many steals they have 66, uh, they do turn the ball over a little bit with 76, but that, that's kind of expected for uh, a small school Iowa basketball team like that. But, uh, yeah, this is a huge game on Friday night between MMC or you and West Sioux, and whoever wins that I do think has um, position, uh, front-runner position in the conference. And if MMC or you wins this, they become 7-0 in the conference. And, yeah, I, I do realize Galen's right there, too. But maybe this allows the Royals a little bit to kind of maybe distance themselves from everyone else. Because Galen has proved that they weren't a perfect team either. They lost, by, they lost the unity by 32. So, I mean, Galen's good, and I think they will bounce back. But I think the cream of the crop in this conference is MMCRU, and I think they'll prove that Fred and Ed against West Sioux. I guess I haven't seen a, a score between West Sioux and, and Galen Catholic from the night because they did play. So, I mean, this, this, this is a really key week for West Sioux. You know, they had, they, they, they had Galen Catholic tonight, and 
the West Sioux girls beat Galen Catholic tonight, 65-52. Okay. Um, so that's a huge win for West Sioux. I think that goes along the lines. Of, I, I just don't know if Galen Catholic's wins have been that strong. I mean, two against Trinity Christian already, who you kind of mentioned there before, not that great. And, and so no. West Sioux, this is a huge week. Galen Catholic, Woodbury Central, and and um, MMCRU, and that's going to really show us what this West Sioux team is, especially back-to-back nights like that. Brutal week, but it could show us a lot about West Sioux. They could get back in the rankings because they sweep this week somehow. And if they beat MMCRU, they're right in that picture to win conference. I think they're right in the picture to talk about, you know, how deep of a postseason run they can make. So, And kudos to whoever built the schedule in the War Eagle, too. I like to see teams have challenging weeks right before the holiday break because they can kind of go all in. They can put in all their chips in the table, and then whatever happens, happens, and then they can go into all the holiday break kind of take a deep breath and then go back into january and and regroup themselves a little bit so this is perfect timing to have a game like this between mmcru and west suit just to give just to give everyone an early barometer of where each team is at and what each team needs to work on and focus on going into into the holiday break uh looking at the Siouxland conference is the one where okaboji's got a nice lead in it now because Sioux Center beat Central Line tonight. That's Central Lions' first loss of the season. They are five and one. Okaboji seven and zero. They just seem like the cream of the crop of the Sioux Land right now. Yep, yep. And maybe if we had to do like a power five of teams in the area, Metro and Sioux Land included, I think Okaboji's in that in that group because I think Callan Stumbo could one be one of the best players in the area, if not one of the best seniors in the state. And like I told. Uh, Coach John Adams, when I did the story on Stumbo a couple weeks ago, I think she's the fourth best senior in the state uh, right now. And, and she's, kind of, she's not even the leading scorer right now behind Megan Christofferson. So if, if Callan Stumbo's not even the leading scorer on this Pioneers team, that tells you how deep this Pioneers team is and how much, how much of a force they're going to be, rec- to be reckoned with. Uh, going forward for the rest of the season. When you say fourth best senior in the state, I'm going to put Caitlin Clark in there. I'm going to put Grace Bo- Yep, she is one. She beat my men's basketball. Grace Bofelli right along there, and Grace Bofelli is having yep. 33.2 points on the season for Grace, uh-huh. Grace Bofelli right now. Um, and you can't say Mallory McCall because she's a junior. So um, after those two, that that could be interesting. I mean, even in her area alone, she, I, she did make first team all Northwest Iowa last year, deservedly so. So, um, after that, I think there's a lot of battles going on for that spot. And in the area alone, I can tell you, uh, uh, you know, Jade Bartles kind of, kind of looking at too. You got some, yeah, it'll be interesting. I think she had 17 but, tonight too. Yeah. Um, you know, Nia do going to Butler. She's someone you can put in that mix for for it. And Kaylin Stumbles mm-hmm. going to Indiana State. So you got some D some good D ones sitting there right there. So um, Grace Bofelli, I got I got to point out 33.2 points per game. She's right up there with Caitlin Clark for best player in the state. You know, I, I would still give it to give my pre-holiday Miss Basketball uh, nod to Clark just because what I think she has the ability to do um, with a very deep da- dowling team. But you're right. Grace Buffelli is having a heck of a start to her season right now. And that North Scott team could be the best team in the state right now. You could make the argument for it. But, but no, Buffelli is, is having a really good season. And it, I'll, I'll say it unsolicited. I, th- I think my top four right now would be Cl- Caitlin Clark one, Grace Buffelli two, Sherry Goodman three, 
and then I'd go Callen four, and then I'd be a homer and go Shatia Wettering and Montezuma five. And, and I would love to have those five on, on a team uh, put together, and I think they would be a force to be reckoned with. But, um, no, uh, Stumbo is defi- definitely, definitely in that conversation among Mitt's basketball. Do I think she gets it? No, because I think it's between Cork and Buffelli. But I think Stumbo is making a good case for it. I think, I think Buffelli and Clark have really separated themselves in that race. I will say that. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I also mentioned Buffelli's averaging 12.5 rebounds per game, too. So, um, yep. Uh, looking at it, uh, look, I'll quick mention New Alfonso here. They're 5-0 right now. Really beat up on East Sac County. They've got Cherokee on Thursday. So I'm interested to see how that goes between them and Cherokee. Cherokee's bounced back after, after a rough loss to East to start the year. They haven't lost since, and they've lost. They've won pretty well. They've they've scored eighty points in four straight games. One of them being against West Sioux, which I won 80, 87-34. So that's a good matchup between Cherokee and New Alfonda on that one. Um, so there's that in there. So um, is there anything else basketball wise that that, that that you're seeing out there? Nope. Jump on into wrestling. Go ahead. Well, looking at wrestling, um, new rankings came out today, and Jack Gakel, uh, number one at uh, n- number one out there right now, 152. Um, boy, he just he just had a really good weekend uh, uh, this this last weekend in Sergeant Bluff, uh, in Council Bluffs. I mean, finishing in third place. Um, he faced some guys that were ra- were ranked in 3A that he handled that he got, and I think that's really going to benefit him coming up here in the postseason. I, I think. Well, he's wrestled for a state title each of the last two years, and and, and, and I think that just really shows right now in, in what he's doing. Um, the number one ranking, I think, is deservedly earned after what he did this past weekend. I know I say third place, but if you go and look at how deep that Council Bluffs tournament was, I believe Miller South is Fort Dodge there. Um, so those are two heavy hitters right there. It's just a smattering of a ton of people there. At the Sergeant Bluff, at the Council Bluffs tournament, um, Sergeant Bluff finished 14th at that tournament, which is it's tough to tell because Liberty won the tournament, Lamar's was 19th, um, and and Jack did suffer his first loss of the season there. But you know, at 152 pounds, he, he knocked off the number two ranked wrestler in 2A at 145. I'm sorry, he was the number two ranked wrestler at 145 coming in. Um, he bumps up to 152. He knocked off Cody Anderson, the number two ranked wrestler at 152 and 3A, beats him by a 3-2 decision. He loses in the semifinals to Lincoln East, Max Mayfield, by a 12-2 major decision. I haven't looked up Max Mayfield's ranking, but I'm going to take a guess that he's really good. Um, bounces back, gets an 8-1 decision for third place. Not only did he bounce back with an 8-1 decision, it was against the number five ranked wrestler in 3A, Iowa City West, Graham, Graham Gabriel. So, those are two top five wins against three A guys this weekend. So I, you know, bumping up to one fifty two, he can handle that. I think that's where he's staying. I haven't talked to Clint Kudem yet for sure. Um, we kind of talked about that with Braden Graff last year too. At, at the end of the season, what he'd go at, what he's comfortable cutting at, and Clint Kudem's not a guy who's just going to cut a guy to have him cut weight. He's going, or he's not going to have a guy just cut weight to cut weight. He's going to be careful with it. If he thinks Jack's wrestling well enough at one fifty two and can handle it, and Obviously, this weekend he showed he can. He can stay at 152. So I'm sure Jack Thompson, you maybe it's one of those things too, or you know, that'd have been a great bout between him and Jack Thompson if they would have not had to face each other. So 
Um, but now 152 has got plenty of competition there too. Um, I should mention Lamar's is Jake Franken, Frankson small. He's going to wrestle at Northwestern. He's a senior. He made it to the quarterfinals at 160 pounds. He's, re- he's ranked seventh at 160 in 3A. And he also defeated Woodbury Central's Nate Monahan, who's ranked in 1A by a 9-5 decision. That was a big win for Jake Franken small, who I feel has been just so close. He hasn't had that big win. And I feel that win over Nate Monahan of Woodbury Central is big for Jake Franken small. I think this is a guy who could finish on the podium. Where I, I don't know if he's the top guy there, you know, I don't know if it's that, but I think he's made a big step forward this season, this senior season. So him placing fourth was big. Coton Hogg finishing, Hogg finishing fifth at 190 pounds was was big. He entered the rankings at 195 and three. I think he ended up ninth right now in three A. So that's a big jump for him. Looking at Woodbury Central, I mentioned Nate Monahan. Um, Monahan went on to finish in eighth place in this deep tournament. Woodbury Central's uh, Bo Klingensmith finished third at 126 pounds. He won his first four matches. Um, you know, he's ranked third at 126 pounds uh, in 1A. He's in the same 1A class. At the 126 is Adam Allard. So that'll be interesting coming down the road, especially those, those I think they'll see each other's at districts. So that'll be interesting. Um, t- and he just barely lost it to Fort Dodge's Carson Taylor, who's ranked number two at 126. It was a 5-3 decision. And then he bounced back to 4-1 decision for third place over Grand Island's Blank Cushing. That's an interesting match against Fort Dodgers, Carson Taylor. Carson Taylor is very good. Uh, Bo is very good, too, but that's a guy everyone's, you know, they're talking about there. So it'll be interesting to see how much that, that drives Klingon Smith because it's just a two-point loss, a close decision, and go either way. So uh, Spirit Lake Park uh, hasn't had a great season, but Jonathan Burnett has been a really bright spot there. He won three of his first four matches to start. Um Got to the semifinal, lost in the semifinal, but he he bounced, he bounced back. Uh, uh, he, he finished in fourth place, so um, it's a good start of the season for John Burnett, who's really the leader of that, that wrestling room right now with everything that Spirit Lake Park lost there. Uh, West Sioux fourth at Riverside um, this past weekend. Probably not as high as they want to finish, but they're still rounding some things into form. Some new guys at higher weight classes. We're interested to see where they go. Uh, in, in that aspect. so And I should mention Hinton won the Sibley Cheating invite with 231 points. This is a better, well-rounded Hinton team than last year. There's a lot of young guys that got experience that are starting to show out a little bit better. Um, Tegan Chappell is one of those guys who had two pins there. Derek Anderson's another one. Aiden Christensen returns, and you expect a lot out of him. Um, and Wyatt Suda- Su- Suda- Sudas is also in that group. So if these guys from last year are taking that step forward, that makes him, I'm not saying come home with the trophy, but a few more guys at state. That's a program that's trying to build up right there. That's, that's a lot of information right there. And that's a lot of good, good wrestling stuff. And I think oh, and I should mention Jarrett Meyer of central line, George Little Rock did pick up his hundred right. one this past weekend too. I should mention. Very nice. and, and they won the Emmitsburg tournament too, which is a tournament they've never won before, according to a tweet from Curtis Eben. So, that that is also awesome. I almost forgot that. And, and Jarrett Myers having a really good start to the season too at, at heavyweight for for the Lions. So that, that you know those those Myers are good farm farm fed kids. And yeah, yes. I expect a lot of them this year. So. Back to Gunkel for a second. The SBL kid. Do you think having that number one ranking right now? Do you think that that that's a little bit early? Do you think that can give him a little bit of confidence? With, with... He's, Are you surprised that he's number one? I'm not surprised at all. He's number one. I don't think he's surprised at all. He's number one. I don't think Clint Kudum would say that too. I also know this. Jack doesn't care what his ranking is right now. 
Clint doesn't care what Jack's ranking is right now. There's only one thing Jack wants. Uh, he's uh, he wants that number one spot at the state tournament. He could go on to state at the top of yeah, the podium. He he could go on to state number two, number three, number four, number five. I don't think he'd care as long as he's wrestling for a state title and winning it because he's come so close. And I think last year's loss really drove him in this off season. So I he could be unranked. I don't know if he'd really. I, I maybe that would bother him a bit on <laughs> that Rob, but I don't think it's too early for the number one ranking. I think they're they're figuring out. This, I think this weekend showed that he can really wrestle at one fifty two, and he might stay there now uh, in that aspect. I think that's what that that key thing did, and I'm not surprised he's number one. He was number two between Thompson at one forty five, and Thompson's amazing, and and so is Jack. And I, I really think it's not too early for that number one ranking. He just wants that number one ranking at the end of the season when he when he wins that state uh, it, 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 to compete for that state title. Yeah. Do you think he stays at 152 the whole year? Yes, I think I think he. I was wondering that before coming into this weekend with, with how he showed out at that tournament, knocking off two pretty good 152 pounders, two top five 152 pounders. I do think he stays at 152 this season. I think he's going to be. I think that shows he's comfortable at that weight class. He's only going to get stronger at that weight class as it goes around. Clint's not one that's going to mess around with weight classes. If he feels he can compete there and he showed he did, Clint's going to go with it. Clint's very smart in how he handles his wrestlers. He did that with Braden Graff all year. You know, everyone thought he's going to drop down and, and, and Braden stayed kind of the class he was and, and, and showed out pretty well. And, and I think this year with, with the way Jack handles his body, I think he can, I just think he might be in the weight room a little more to handle it a little bit more. So I think this is good. I think this showed he can compete at 152. It means he was right in the middle if he, if he goes up or goes down. And I think being right in that middle and doing this shows he's going to be at 152. Are you surprised that Hinton's more real, well-rounded this year than maybe they were last year? No. Or these how are they're coming out? No, I, I'm not. And I, maybe, maybe that's a little surprising. But, you know, seeing them last year, it seemed like they had some guys that could – if they if they took that next step in the off season, that this could be a better team. I don't know where they they fit team wise. I don't know where they fit conference wise to them, but I think that was a nice win for them at at Sibley Olchid in there to really have a bunch of guys do some things. And you know, like Tegan Chapel had a really good year in football this year, and now mm-hmm. it's carrying over a bit to wrestling. And you're looking for Aiden Christensen taking the next step. Derek Anderson was someone that you could think would be able to take that next step too. So it's just guy. It's, it's good coaching, taking these guys to the next level. And they've got a decent enough youth program. And I always say it can be better everywhere. You know, that's just, <laughs> that's just the way I am. It always can be better everywhere. So I'd love to see all state titles everywhere for Northwest Iowa. I'm, I'm a little biased that way. I like, I like how it's improved since I've been in school um, in Northwest Iowa, but I think it's good coaching. I think it's, you know, a little bit more commitment to it. And, and and actually, someone that I knew at such a line on the wrestling team is living in Hinton there too. Derek DeGroat, uh, his his son wrestles. He's been doing well in youth tournaments too. And and you, these guys are going to those youth tournaments and they're competing. And and you know these dads that used to wrestle are, are helping them out. And I, I think that's big for them in the future. I mean, uh, Derek's son is a few years away from wrestling on varsity. Uh, by, by the way, so he's, he's <laughs> in middle school, I believe. First year of middle school, I believe. And and so I, I think you're starting to see. I think they're they're trying to build something and hit and build that program up. That's it's nice to see them take this this next step at the Sibley at the Sibley tournament this past weekend. Are there any upcoming tournaments before the holiday break that and that uh, trip you trigger at all? Yeah, the the Austin Roberts Memorial Tournament and, and Morningside's playing for the national title, so I won't be able to make it to the Austin Roberts Memorial Tournament. Uh, if not, I, I definitely go. 
Um, Sergeant Bluff Luton is there. Central Line is there. Um, I also I think Hinton is there too. Um, the, there's a lot of teams there that I want to see how they do. West Line is taking that next step, in my opinion. I think they might be there too. But Central Line and, and Sergeant Bluff Luton are two teams there that I'm really keeping my eye on and see how they do at that tournament. Uh, the Austin Roberts Memorial is really turned into a big one. Um, rest in peace, God. God bless your soul, Austin Roberts. Uh, tragedy how that happened of him him passing away the way he did. And, um, you know, this tournament has really turned into something big uh, and such. And that's something he'd like to see. And, and uh, it's, it's a really fun tournament. I, I, I'm really interested to see how things go at the Austin Roberts this weekend. How do you think things turn out? Do you think it's between Central Line and South and SBL? I do think it is between uh, Central Line and SBL. I think right now Sergeant Bluff has the edge um, with the way Blake Levy's wrestling, with the way Jack's wrestling. Nick Curry's getting some some good looks in there. Uh, Corey Bates, I'm interested to see if he wrestles at it this weekend um, and such. He's still, you know, he had a really grueling football season, so so they're bringing him along slowly. Um, we'll see how Wade Fair does in this. They're bringing him along slowly too. So um, it'll be led by Jack and Blake. It'll be interesting to see what happens after that. Like I said, Central Line, I think comes down Central Line and Sergeant Bluff. I think Sergeant Bluff edges them. Um, Sergeant Bluff does a really good job at tournaments like this of, of getting people in placing matches and winning those placing matches. Not just first, but as, as Clint, as Clint Kudem says, um, it's not just first place. It's, it's, odd numbered matches. Um, if you can win those odd number matches and, and, and score bonus points doing it, that'll, that's, that's huge. Cause that earns you more points. Yeah. That earns you those first place points that earns you those, those third place points, fifth place points. And while it sounds, maybe that sounds a little crazy. I don't know. I, I think, I think it's right on, on target here. And I wish I could search these tournaments right now, but for some reason track wrestling is, is acting up on me because I, I want to see who else is at this tournament. So I can't remember off the top of my head uh, those two main ones, but that'll be the key. If Central Line can do that and get in those placing matches and win those odd number matches, get some guys in there. You know, you got the two Meyer brothers, you got Bryce Vanderweird too. How deep can those two go? What's their competition? I think this is a tournament that can really show. I think we're going to see Chris Vander Vander to uh, Vanderbrink versus Jarrett Meyer for a title and. People are like, what What does that mean? I'll, I'll tell you what exactly that means. Um, those are two of the best, hev- two top ten heavyweights right there. So you got Boyd and Hall Rock Valley there. So that's why I say you'll see uh, Chris versus uh, Vanderbrink versus Meyer um, in, in there. Jackson has a few good – Jackson County has a few good wrestlers, if I remember correctly. Um, I'm interested to see how Lamar's does at this tournament too. I mentioned Jake Franken Small. They've got some wrestlers too, you know, Colton Hogue um, in that aspect. We'll see how they do. Um uh, I'm interested to see how Trey Shuck from Sibley Ocheaton does. Uh, we'll see where Spencer kind of ranks in this tournament. They've had some some nice wins and some haven't carried it through from that first week when we saw. And West Lions at this tournament too. So I, I'm really interested to see what West Lion finishes in this. I think they've had a strong start to the season. I think these they've got a lot of wrestlers who've taken that next step this year. And I think they've made a big jump. So there's Sergeant Bluff and Central Line, George Little Rock. Who finishes third? Who wins it? Can someone challenge Sergeant Bluff and Central Line George Little Rock for that spot up there too? That's what I'm interested to see on Saturday with, with, with this tournament. Well, you'll see uh, coverage of that coming up in Sunday's uh, journal uh, as a roundup. Like you mentioned, Morningside football has a pretty big game yep. on Saturday that we're focusing on, and, and that deserves the attention that it deserves. And hopefully Morningside comes out on top of that as well. And make sure to check out SiouxCityJournal.com for all the high school and college coverage 
before uh, we take a little bit of a holiday, much needed holiday break coming up here next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Sioux City Journal Preps podcast here on SiouxCityJournal.com. And wherever you get your podcasts, and make sure you follow us on Twitter. He's at Justin Rust, and I'm at Zachary W. James. For sports editor Justin Rust, this is assistant sports editor Zach James. Thank you so much for listening. Happy holidays if we don't talk, if we don't talk to you before then, and uh, we'll talk to you next time.